On this episode, we discuss Death Wish. Not a suitable replacement for Viagra. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Watch out now. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And here's Elliot Kalen, blown back by the sheer <laughs> propulsive force of Dan's hello. <laughs> Not what I expected since he was yawning moments before. Well, I'm a real pro. I can turn it on for the, mm-hmm. I was going to say cameras, but there aren't any cameras here. I'm just saying, wait, tell the listeners, here comes the boom. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's ready to roll. Yeah, the force of Dan's hello blew the leaf Elliot was using to <laughs> shield the rain off of his little head. <laughs> We're outdoors. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm a mouse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ralph S. Mouse? I mean, I, that's kind of what I implied, but I guess you can spell it out for the listeners. Okay. It's Ralph Stewart Mouse. Mm-hmm. This S stands for Stuart Little. <laughs> Weird. Ralph Stuart Little Mouse. Mm, so, a uh, thing that no one has ever associated with me all of my life. Oh, come on. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's fine. No, it's no, fine, let's guess. get to the bottom of this. So, Stuart, have you often been made fun of because people might think you're a mouse? Yes. Okay. It's, I can see how yeah, we got it. to the bottom of it already. <laughs> well, we made a wow, real breakthrough. We made a breakthrough. Yeah, it's right? not your fault, Stuart. It's mm, not your fault. It's not your fault. And I done. can't control the actions of other people, but maybe if I just got a gun and just started killing them. Uh, now that may seem like a non sequitur from Stuart, but it's not. Because, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we watch a bad movie and we talk about it. And today we're huddled in a Holiday Inn to talk about <laughs> huddled, huddled in. in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> if we were an actor, it would be Tom Huddleston. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about Death Wish. And we might sound a little tired. We uh, just did a show in Earlham College, uot. Richmond, Indiana, last night. So I don't sound tired. tired. I sound normal. Stuart sounds normal like a mighty lion. I guess lion. he always sounds tired. <laughs> oh, roasted by Dr. Sleepy Pants himself. <laughs> oh, now, man. how much better would it have been if we watched a horror movie called Dr. Sleepy Pants? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All we know about the killer is he wears pajamas mm-hmm. and a surgical mask. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sleepy Pants is struck again. Uh-huh. And when he kills somebody, he goes, night, night. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he was going, you so tired. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know if I like this character warm now. milk. <laughs> And yeah. it's a lot of and the the uh, the uh, people die tra- confused by where that accent's coming from. <laughs> yeah, no, the trailer has a little kid singing like "Hush a bye and good night." Okay. Real creepy, slow. Yeah, yeah. So Walk while we wrote that movie, I guess. Baby. I mean, if, if over. we were Kevin Smith, we would immediately leave and make that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. So today we reviewed. Uh, well, we have not yet reviewed. Not it. We viewed. Yeah. We are about to <laughs> review. Okay, uh, <laughs> Death Wish, directed by Eli Roth. It's a remake of the Charles Bronson movie from the seventies. Which uh-huh. the there was a whole Death Wish series. It starts the original. He is an architect whose family is killed on the mean streets of New York, and he decides to take the law into his own hands to stop the killers and yeah. take out anyone else. By the end of the series, he was like 
using bazookas to blow up drug lords. It got yeah. really crazy. All I, all I really remember that series is there's one where Christopher Guest shows up as like a medical examiner. Or yeah, something. waiting for Death Wish. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, this one, Bruce Willis plays the titular Death Wish. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't, well, that's the real question is, who has the Death Wish in these movies? Because yeah. in the first movie, in the original Charles Bronson, I think it's kind of implied that he is hoping to get killed doing mm. this. Because he has his life is empty now that his family is gone. Like he must have a death wish if he's going uh-huh. out. But these criminals also must have a death wish if they're going to keep committing crimes when Charles Bronson is on the streets. But here, I'm not sure who has the death wish, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone maybe, seems pretty committed to living. In maybe this it was movie. Elizabeth Shue. Maybe she had a death wish and she got her wish, oh, and it's a happy movie. She fished yeah. her wish. <laughs> <laughs> with her ish wish dish, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this movie. So the movie opens in Chicago. Chicago is in chaos, according to the radio reports we're hearing mm-hmm. as we watch a frankly beautiful uh, opening shot of this Chicago skyline that then pans into a police car driving mm-hmm. along, what Lakeshore Drive or something. Uh-huh. It's a uh, but according to this, the radio reports, Chicago is in chaos. Everyone in Chicago is being shot to death all the time yep. on every street corner. What are we going to do about it? The murder uh, rate is sky high. We're like days away from a fucking RoboCop showing up. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's uh, higher than the murder rate is one of their huge pizzas. <laughs> it's oh, essentially okay. a cake filled with tomato sauce. Yeah, yeah, it's the kind of pizza that you would sleep on and be like, mm, I think there's a pea in here somewhere. I mean, it, I, I sometimes <laughs> get a Casper deep dish where uh, you open it from the box looks really little and you open uh-huh, it up. And you're like, that's reasonable. Expands into this enormous pizza. And you're like, that's not reasonable at all. You're like, this is. But t- I'll still eat it because I'm sad. Ironically, the thing is, deep dish pizza isn't really. It doesn't seem like pizza but it's much more like pie than a standard pizza pie mm. is it's got a kind of crust outside and a filling mm-hmm. so that's our discussion topic today what deserves to be called pie pizza or deep dish pizza let's open up the phone lines uh let's here's uh here's jackie from chicago Hello? Uh, what, what you, jackie what do you have to say who's your dog in this fight <laughs> oh we fell for it again <laughs> always Oh, I'll try and screen those better, uh, Elliot. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, our next call, it's uh, Joey from the Bronx. Joey, <laughs> uh, what, what, oh, you're on the air. Yeah, hello. Okay, uh, Joey. And <laughs> is this Pizza Talk? It is, it is. This is Pete's Pizza Talk. I'm Pete, and we're here to talk pizza. So, deep dish or regular New York slice, which deserves to be called pie? I think that pie should only have four and 20 blackbirds in it, and nothing else is a pie. All right, that's a hot take from a fairy tale or nursery rhyme. And uh, we've also got on the phones uh, talking about pie. It's Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky, your take on the uh, on the pie situation. Um, I think it catapulted me to greater success. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pizza talk. Coming back to and now we now return to the Flophouse, our normal programming, which has been interrupted. So anyway, Chicago is in danger. Uh, yep. And a cop is shot. Bruce Willis is a surgeon. He cannot save that cop's life. But then he has to go save the life of the animal that shot him. Now, the cop, the cop's partner is mad. He goes, so you can't save him, but you'll save the animal who shot him? And for a minute, I was like, guys, what if a tiger shot him? <laughs> like, what if it was a literal animal? <laughs> yeah, like in Plague Dogs, or the dog steps on the gun accidentally. <laughs> yeah, and Bruce Willis is like, well, you shouldn't have taken your partner to a veterinary hospital. I'm mm-hmm. much better at, at curing animals. So let me go uh, heal the giraffe that shot your partner. Mm-hmm. But that's not what it is. Uh, Bruce Willis, we find out he has a lovely family. He lives in a nice, rich man's house in Evanston, Illinois, home yep. of my brother's college, Northwestern. 
He's married to Elizabeth Shue, mm-hmm. who's a welcome face. Uh, very star, welcome face. Uh, star of Adventures in Babysitting, mm-hmm. my favorite movie. And Leaving Las Vegas, Dan's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. He calls it hilarious. And, and, <laughs> and the St. Elliot's favorite movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. The part where uh, they stop that one scene just so we can talk about how great his watch is. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> is that the same? Yeah, there's some part in it where he's like meeting us another spy in the sewers, and they take a moment to talk about how great their watches are. Or something. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird movie. Uh, so he has a daughter who is going to college. She also plays soccer, and he has a wife, Elizabeth Shue, who is going for her PhD in subject unknown. It's never said because that's as much character as she gets. And we're and we have a scene probably uh, in Piranha Fighting. If if the last movie I saw was with the shoe and is any indication, Piranha Three D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, and there's a scene where they're all having dinner with uh, Bruce Willis's brother Vincent D'Onofrio, and I wonder, do they talk about uh, Adventures in Babysitting a lot? Because um, they're both in it. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, played Thor. Thor guy. Right. Uh, So probably, yeah. I mean, they have their reunions every month (laughs) of the the babysitting cast. (laughs) Where they sing the babysitter's blues or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So Bruce Willis, let's just get one thing straight. Uh, He's had a long storied career in both film and television. Very talented. He has reached this uh, level, this, this era in his acting. He's had so many... resurgences and now he seems to resemble to me nothing more than like an elderly egg Mm -hmm. that occasionally looks at things and does not find it in his interest to emote about very much (laughs) so for the first half of this movie you're like is Mm -hmm. so is this movie about someone who's in such a deep depression that they can't relate to their family because he seems to not be in the same movie that they're in yeah, he, he he is the expression of Saitama from uh, the One Punch Man comics who just looks like an egg (laughs) Dan, do you have an egg reference? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, he is the Eggman. Mm-hmm. He is the Eggman. I am the walrus. Goo-goo-goo-goo? Sure. He also kind of <laughs> looks like if all the facial features of the Baylet conform to make a human-style face instead of being all over the egg from the Berserk comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I think he just looks like someone painted a face on an egg, but, you know, and then the egg uh, okay. got, got real old. Uh, I think more complicated references are appropriate. There's a, re- <laughs> there's a reason that uh, in China his, he's, he's billed as Thousand-Year Egg in <laughs> Death Wish. Uh, so, so delicious. <laughs> yeah. uh, we know that Bruce – maybe it's just that Bruce Willis is so beaten down by our modern demasculinized society. Because as we see, when his daughter is playing soccer, another dad is being very loudly abusive, Super aggro, swearing, yeah. very aggro at the players. Totally and alpha is what he Dan tell, said. Yeah, and he tells him, <laughs> he tells him, don't, hey, stop swearing. And the guy threatens him to a fight. And Bruce Willis, like the beta cuck he has become, does not fight him. When I guess the movie is implying that the manly thing for him to do would be to rip his head off with his bare hands and yeah, use yeah. it as a soccer ball. I did expect the movie to return to this character at some point once Bruce Willis became, like, tough guy Bruce Willis. Like, there'd be, like, a... A, a, a reckoning? Yeah, they like, like a bookend it. scene where the They're both trying to rent the same just... video at the video store, mm-hmm. and he's like, you take it. You take this copy of Death Wish 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead, he, he he's... Uh, he just doesn't do it. He used to fight as a young man, he reveals. He was a scrapper. He was a scrapper, but he's since mellowed out. He has a perfect family. His brother, Vincent D'Onofrio, is a bit of, an, of a ne'er-do-well, always asking for money, mm-hmm. always a little bit on the shady side of the law. But hey, what are brothers for? But he's bringing that, that Vincent D. energy, so you're like, I love it. He's got to be the baddie. Yeah. And More I, on that, that later. Big Vincent D. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she, loves, she wants the D. D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah, more on that later because the moment he enters, we thought it was one of those scenarios where we're like, well, obviously he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But is he the bad guy? Question mark. You'll have to listen to the more about Death Wish to find out. One night, 
while Bruce Willis is out at his round. He was supposed to go out for a birthday dinner at La Fonda Uh with his family to have their famous Trace Leches cake, which they talk about so many times Mm -hmm. in the movie. And then later we see him eating it by himself. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have this cake. He's like, it doesn't doesn't have just uno leche or dos leche. (laughs) There are Trace Leches in this cake. Now, Dan, yeah, you're you're confirming, uh, you're showing your bona fides of being a Trace Leches expert. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) After last night's late night dinner of a a Trace Leches pancakes. (laughs) For some reason, we've fallen into probably a bad habit of having another full meal after After a a live show. And I had a huge stack of pancakes with Uh caramel sauce on them. (laughs) Not a good choice. All three Leches were represented. Now, you know that at some point there's some some madman chef who's like, I'll do it. I will add. The quattro leche. And you're like, no, 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 it's impossible. You can't do it. No nope. one can take it. <laughs> the gozer's like, don't do that. I'll get banished. <laughs> oh, that's what it took? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mr. Mixing Piddling is like, no. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, but while he, but he gets called into work because the guy who's supposed to be on call is sick. So he's there surgeoning people up. Meanwhile, a gang of thugs who seem to have gotten his the address of his house from his car because of a valet that parked their car once Mm -hmm. uh, and found the address in the car. They go and they rob the house and things go wrong. They end up shooting his wife and daughter. Oh, no. The wife dies. The daughter is in a coma. Uh And I thought the movie was going to literally do that the thing about I can't operate on them. They're they're my family. But he tries anyway and and fails. But instead, he just doesn't do it. He gets there too late. He gets there too late. He's after he has his wife has her funeral, and then after the funeral, he's just driving around with his wife's dad, dad. who I guess lives out in the country somewhere. And uh, he starts shooting at poachers. He starts shooting at some poachers with a rifle that mm, he keeps in because his truck because he, he's landed gentry. <laughs> it was he's like poachers, and they're sti- and they're going after a deer. Yeah, and it's like, wait, do you own the deer? <laughs> like, that's it's not- weird. Like, I'm I'm not a fan of. Hunting because I just don't like the idea of doing a, a blood sport in general. Except it, unless it's blood sport with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh-huh. But deer are kind of a nuisance animal that he's like, he's like, no, no, they, they're shooting up my deer. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's not in season, I mean, that that's yeah. kind of regulated for a reason. Um, but yeah, the idea like, does he... Does he run like an animal preserve? Like what the fuck? Does he have a deer farm? Yeah, I mean, theoretically he has a deer farm, but it doesn't seem like they're (laughs) killing the deer on like a farming area. Is this the killing of a sacred deer? I I don't know. I haven't seen that movie yet. Is he Norman Mailer and this is the deer park? Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Dan? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) What makes the deer sacred? Uh, It's been blessed by a priest. I mean, that's how things get sacred, I guess. Uh, So he – but he starts shooting at them and he goes – and uh, Bruce Willis has been talking about, yeah, the police, they think they can find these guys eventually. And the dad is like, people rely too much on the police. The police only come after the crimes happened. It's like – and I'm adding more of an accent to him than he actually has. Uh-huh. Like, it's like trapping the fox while it's leaving the hen house. It's like, well, yes, human beings, you have to wait till they commit a crime to arrest them. Like that's <laughs> like, like unless you want a minority report this, like that's mm-hmm. how that's how reality works. But yeah, maybe if we just had a gun pointed at everyone all the time, no one would make mistakes, Elliot. I think that is literally the platform <laughs> of the Republican Party. Yeah. Uh, but we shouldn't get into politics. Come on, this is Death Wish. How yeah, can we not just, get into just, politics? <laughs> this is the most We're just dropping goofs. We should also politically mention, stacked movie. We also, also there's a lot in this movie that's like yeah, it's very it's a very politically like trying to have it both ways sort of movie. It feels a little mm-hmm. bit like, uh, we'll get to this, I guess, but like Wild Things, where with Wild Things it was like, if you like it, 
it's because it's like a crazy thriller. If you don't like it, it's supposed to be goofy and stupid. Come on. Yeah. And this is a little bit like if you agree with Bruce Willis, then you're going to love this movie. If you don't agree with Bruce Willis, we threw in a couple jokes about guns yeah. to like make it make it like we think we're we're really criticizing him. But this guy is just he's literally he is the uh mission objective of the movie when he yeah. says this and he never appears in the movie again. But just like people rely on the police too much to solve their problems. Okay. Thanks, old man with a gun. <laughs> and you accept you accept the minute you know you know that he then turns to Bruce Willis and goes, "You heard of this PizzaGate?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the real PizzaGate controversy is deep dish. That's a pizza. Come on, guys. <laughs> do we have a? No, we don't have any more callers. No, no, the lines have stopped lighting up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, no, we do have one more caller. Uh, this man is he calls himself L Caesar, uh, oh, wow, and okay. he said he has something to say about pizza. Pizza. Uh, L Caesar, you're on the line. Pizza, pizza. All right, thank you. Oh, wow, I guess that's the definitive uh, answer. Now we have a P. Johns on the line. Uh, P. Johns, oh, no. say about pizza also? Uh, I'd like to spout some racial slurs. Uh, okay, cut off his mic. <laughs> let's, let's end that caller. And uh, now it seems uh, X-Force assassin Domino has something to say about pizza. Oh, wow. Perhaps her namesake wow, restaurant. Uh, well, hello, I'm not quite sure what my powers are. Uh, they're based around luck and probability. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that seems weird. Because Domino's is a game of luck. Yeah, a game of chance. She's one of those characters where her powers that she that reality just lets her do stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Longshot, but she has all the normal amount of fingers. Mm-hmm. And that was your annual uh, Longshot Domino Differences <laughs> review. <laughs> Next time we'll get into bone density. <laughs> oh yeah, Longshot's got those hollow bird bones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's how he can do all those mad flips. Uh-huh, and that's how they're like, oh, it's really windy. Somebody throw a Longshot up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So Bruce Willis is seeing a therapist. He's very depressed, as anyone would be when your daughter's in a coma and your wife has been killed. Uh-huh. He tries to drown his sorrows in that trade leche cake but it's just not the same to eat not it by himself same. it tastes like ashes he feels he failed his family and he says he's obsessed with the killers he doesn't even know who they are mm-hmm. he's obsessed and every time he's driving by someone who looks like a bad dude he mm-hmm. kind of says like is that it hmm. meanwhile he talks to dean norris uh-huh. who is playing a policeman and Stuart, you had an interesting point about casting bruce willis and dean norris in the same movie right? i mean they look very similar at this point <laughs> in their careers dean norris looks like the the version who's like always on some kind of wacky diet <laughs> I mean, Bruce Willis looks like a chicken egg, and Dean Norris looks like an ostrich egg. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Both delicious. They both look like two polished stones that a rich person might have on a pillar in their lobby of, the, of their building. Uh, we are introduced to Dean Norris as he tries to eat an RX bar uh-huh. as his sustenance, and he makes a bad face like, oh, this doesn't taste good. I wish I was eating man food. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm feminized, and I'm eating this bar. Yep. Uh, as the, although at this point, I feel like those bars are so associated in my mind with like working out and getting strong. Uh-huh. There's something more masculine to me about eating that kind of food. Than yeah, it's to got eat, so like, much protein in it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're you're maximizing your strength and your muscle power. Maybe he just yeah. doesn't like it because it's got eggs in it, and it's like he's eating his own. <laughs> That's, <fair. laughs> That's probably a big part of it. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. there's, you know, there's the, there's a, I wanted a scene it like if this was the Charlie Kaufman version, you'd have a scene where Bruce Willis is served an egg in a cup. <laughs> and he and his face appears on the egg. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dean Norris is like, well, we don't have any leads, but we're going to work on it. And they have a big wall of unsolved cases because, as we know, just mentioned earlier, Chicago is a hellhole. It's full of chaos and gunfire all the time. Uh, Bruce Willis comes across some thugs committing a crime in an alley, and he uh-huh. goes, "Hey, stop that!" And they kick him a bunch of times. Yeah, they beat him up. They just beat him up, and uh, but that gives him two ideas. One is that. If he just walks around, he's going to find crimes. Mm-hmm. And two, 
He's not very good at being kicked and punched. He no. needs to come up with a. He needs to bring a gun to a kick punch battle. Yeah, he needs a gun, and also he has his costume that he needs to put on. Oh yeah, he a needs a sweatshirt. Yeah, he needs to don his cool outfit. So, which is honestly not that different than his outfit in the movie Unbreakable. It's the exact same outfit. <laughs> uh, although in this movie, he is very breakable. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's been broken by being what weaponized by the YouTube gun industry. Yeah, well, because he he watches a video about guns, and then he goes to the store Jolly Rogers that the video mm-hmm. was, which like the by. video feels very much like a parody ad. Right? It's so goofy, yeah. and there's a lot of like cartoon graphics that come up on screen. And the and- the the per- the host of the commercial actually seems to be a salesperson at the store. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would disagree with what you're saying a little bit about the movie having it both ways because it does stack the deck so ridiculously in favor of this, like, conservative, like, pro-gun ideal of, like, vigilante justice. But one of the places where it does is acting silly is this gun commercial where it's just like, you know what? If you're a liberal, you can kind of read this as, like, a parody. A lampoon. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's like a pretty girl shooting a gun and being like, this is what I love. Yeah. I don't shoot to kill. I shoot to survive. Do, 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 mm-hmm. do, 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 you yeah. know? And he goes into the Banjo store. Music. Yeah, music. <laughs> All criminals are lawbreakers. He goes, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Mm-hmm. I shall take the form of, and then a hooded sweatshirt smashes through the window. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a gun smashes through the window. <laughs> and shoots him. Ah, God! <laughs> Chicago! <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she, he goes to buy a gun, but it's just so much trouble. But it's not that much trouble. She's like, it fill feels out these like forms. A parody of they that. will give you a gun, and you'll yeah. take a class. Every she goes, everyone passes. N- nobody fails. It's like, yeah. she's like, wink, wink, wink. It's easy to get a gun. Wink, 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 wink. Later on, we find out that he's doing this recon mission so that he can uh, cover his tracks after he decides to not be a vigilante anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's well. Uh, I think I, he wants a gun there, but he's like, oh, it's too traceable. And yeah, he doesn't want his name on any paperwork. Luckily, yeah. a patient gets brought to him with a gunshot wound. The he's patient, like, I'll come up with a name. Bruno. Nobody will <laughs> associate that with me. What, is he slitting people's throats with a razor sharp harmonica? <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, how amazing would it be? Or like, he fills up the harmonica and he blows in it and little trank darts fly out yeah, with yeah. poison on them. Some like criminals are walking down the street and then they just hear some harmonica music yeah. and they look at each other and start <laughs> Shit, running. Bruno's coming. And then when he comes back to the store later on, the lady's like, oh, it's the return of Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a funny period in his career that was. Look, everyone has their Chris Gaines. And yeah. for and for Bruce Willis, it was Bruno. Literally everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we all have those moments where we stare into the mirror and deep, <laughs> beneath, stares back. deep in the darkness of our eyes, we see Chris Gaines staring back at us. <laughs> it's when uh, Billy Joel's song, The Stranger, was originally called The Chris Gaines. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We all have a Chris Gaines. So, yeah. yeah. Camus' novel, L'Etranger, was originally called <laughs> Le Chris Gaines. <laughs> Uh, so luckily a patient comes in with a gunshot wound, has a gun stuck in the waistband of his pants, and it just falls on the floor. And Bruce Willis is like, mm, check, please. <laughs> yeah, and like, takes it. <laughs> like that night or the next day or something. He's yeah. like, oh, this is handy. I was looking for a gun. And so much of the movie is like God is nudging Bruce Willis to kill people. And yeah. this is the first part. Uh, Bruce Willis practices with that gun. And we get a split screen montage of him saving gunshot victims as a surgeon and in the same split screen practicing with the gun and like – Cleaning it, set to the most tasteful music they could find back in black. Oh, I thought you were going to say, you got to put one foot in front of the other. I mean, the only way it could have been more ridiculous is if it was, I'm too sexy for oh, this guy. Yeah. Or know? like, walk like a man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dan, you want to join in? What songs? Uh, he did the match. <laughs> he did the match. Well, I mean, that match. would just be arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. It almost be t- turning a mirror on the movie itself. <laughs> I like big butts that I can't lie. Like, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> but uh, it's... It's at that point I feel like the movie is tipping its hands that it's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, we're gonna see Bruce Willis mm-hmm. fuck some dudes up, okay. <laughs> uh, he goes out, he stops a carjacking and uh-huh. shoots two people and kills them uh-huh. and hurts his hand. And uh-huh. everyone's like, and someone tapes him while doing it on their phone. Tapes him. They don't use tape. They just yeah. record him. And they oh, and <laughs> no, they've got a real to real connection <laughs> to their phone. Yeah, <laughs> they're using sixteen millimeter cameras. <laughs> yeah. uh, they uh, just looks better, guys. Uh, and they upload it to. Uh, to the internet, people start calling him the Grim Reaper cool. and making memes. And suddenly, everyone on the radio. How by, dank are these memes? Uh, they're not that dank. They're okay. totally not dank. They're pretty crappy. <laughs> they look like someone's idea of memes. They're okay. pretty bad. But, uh, and the memes also aren't, they're like, they got memes like crazy. And the memes aren't like, check out this awesome guy. The memes are, it's him shooting someone in the head and it says like, I mean, that's when, not very good when your friend gives you GOT spoilers. It's like, <laughs> the memes are not about him is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. They're just using him to like make jokes about other things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we know that the, the movie has a Greek chorus in the form of, Chicago radio personalities Sway and Mancow, who provide the opposing viewpoints God via their it. broadcasts of everything the Grim Reaper does. Now, Mancow, I had, I'll just say, is a, man. he's a piece of scum. Like, he's scum. He's, he's a, a piece of trash. He's hybrid. He's I an had, abomination against nature. Guys, I had gone so many years forgetting that Mancow existed, but now I'm brought back to harsh reality. I used, I forgot, like, I used, when I was at the Daily Show, I had to watch, for a long time he was on Fox all the time. And on MSNBC a lot. And I used to watch those then, and it was like, oh, who is this jerk? And I thought maybe that he had been put out to pasture, you might oh. say. But no, he's still around. And he's, uh, it's, I, I, I mean, he, get a, he got to start as what, like a Midwestern DJ or some shit? Yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they all start that way as DJs. And then they put more and more politics and opinion into the show. Yeah. Until it becomes, the whole show is just them spouting off on stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of talking about the movies like they're supposed to. But then, what I like. <laughs> I like is they get stuck with the name that they started with. So like Man Cow, I'm sure was like a silly name, yeah. but now he's got to be like, well, here's what Man Cow thinks about. This is the Man Cow brand. It's like it's so it's like, oh, here's what DJ Butterspanks thinks about <laughs> campaign finance reform. <laughs> but uh, they nobody can, there's a big debate, but the debate seems mostly weighted on the side of Grim Reaper is a urban hero yeah. who is making our streets safe, especially. After he next goes out and in broad daylight kills a drug dealer named the Ice Cream Man. Uh huh. And like Clint Howard's like, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> I can play urban. <laughs> I don't know, Clint. I don't know if you could. Uh, they, so everyone's like, this guy's great. Dean Norris and his partner, I don't remember the actress who's playing his partner, they're investigating this this case. And yeah, they, she looks super familiar, but I don't remember it. I, I can't rem- I didn't look her up. And the only clue they really have to go on is that this is a white man in a hooded sweatshirt, and he looks like he hurt his hand the so first time. M&M. <laughs> so the Unabomber. <laughs> yeah, I kind of expected every witness to be like, yeah, it kind of looked like you, Dean Norris. <laughs> <laughs> we put this hood on. Yeah, yeah, like you. Uh, like Suck in your cheeks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, meanwhile, Bruce Willis, he's feeling a real pep in his step. He is loving murdering people. Uh-huh. And his therapist his is like – His therapist totally recognizes She's it. like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And he's like, thank you. I will. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, – but – uh-oh, things are about to come to a head. Uh-huh. His days of murdering generic criminals yeah. are going to be over because that valet he recognizes comes in as a gunshot victim and around his wrist – 
a fancy watch that his wife was going to give him for his Luckily, birthday. Luckily, he gets to murder him. Oh, wait. He's already dead. Vengeance has been taken from him. I mean, I get, it's kind of implied I thought that he doesn't do, work that hard to save him. Oh, okay. It's like he has the defibrillator paddles, and he's like, clear, and just holds them above the guy's yeah. chest. Oh, oh nothing we could have done. Oh, it's not working. Uh, let's mm, clear. Zap. Zip, 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 zippity zap. <laughs> zap, zapperino. Oh, it's not working. Uh, let me Doctor, try. did you uh, just say zapperino with your mouth? <laughs> no, that it's was like, the Somebody get the Spider-Man villain Electro in here to give him a jolt. <laughs> get this man some jolt cola. Uh, let me try mouth to mouth. Ah, you're just breathing on his face. It's not gonna, oh boy, nothing we could do. Put the sheet over him. He hasn't flatlined yet. Put the sheet over his face. If only he'd been taking more improv classes instead of gun classes. <laughs> so anyway, he says, oh, I'm gonna track this guy down. He steals this guy's phone. Mm-hmm. which was in hospital evidence, I'm yeah. not sure, and uses his dead body's fingerprint to open up the fingerprint ID. Here's a question I have. Yeah. I don't know how those fingerprint IDs work. Uh-huh. So will it work on a dead body, or does it need to have heat in the finger? Uh, That's a good question. Is it like a little camera that takes a picture of the ridges of your thumbprint? I assumed it was just a thumbprint thing. But as someone who's tried to open my phone while it's raining outside uh-huh. – and there's water on my thumb. I don't think that the bloody thumb probably ha- was very good to open that. Uh, That's totally true. If I have any water on my thumb, my phone's like, uh-uh, there's someone else. Lock the phone. Mm-hmm. Brick it. Explode it. <laughs> we don't want Aquaman stealing Stuart's pictures. <laughs> <laughs> all my cool memes that I've saved. <laughs> like when mom shows you a GTO spoiler. All critters gifts that he has on his phone. <laughs> oh, I'm amazed. I don't know how much memory is taken on your phone with <laughs> gifts and memes. Uh, I don't know, a normal amount. Oh, it's normal. I'm like constantly running out of space. Whenever I take a photo, it says no memory. I'm like, oh, I got to delete some stuff. Steward has a bottomless well. It's like a ruck, magical <laughs> rucksack full of memes and yeah, gifts. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I, I When I went to get my phone, I'm like, which is the one that holds maximum amount of pictures of my cat and memes and gifts? And they're <laughs> like, oh, you'll need the uh, executive model, sir. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, because that's what executives have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they're not playing with that hangy ball toy on their desk. They're they're just looking up memes and gifts, pictures of their cats. I mean, that's just to show that executive that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I mean, that makes uh, sense. Oh, that's a good message for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Our today's executives can learn something, learn from that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to know. Cause today's effect. Tom Sawyer too. <laughs> oh, mean, yeah. mean guy. Yeah, <laughs> he had a mean, mean stride, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about today's Tom Sawyer. He sounds like an asshole. <laughs> I know his mind is not for rent, but it's like he seems like he just doesn't like other people. Why did we get rid of the old Tom Sawyer? (laughs) The old Tom Sawyer was great. Uh, The new Tom Sawyer is much more efficient at tricking people into painting fences. Are you saying the Ayn Rand-loving Rush lyrics are not good? (laughs) I'm just saying that I don't want to hang out with this new Tom Tom Sawyer. The old Tom Sawyer, though, yeah, he sounds great. Mm -hmm. Friends with Huck Finn. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you kidnap him, he's... He's trouble, but... But why would you kidnap him? He's a cool guy. I mean, I think if we judge everyone on their reaction to being kidnapped, I think that's (laughs) an unfair metric. Yeah, I think that's that's not... You're not at your best in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Bruce Willis, he uses the phone to track down the fence who has his stolen stuff. He's Uh at a bar, which appears to be closed all the time, because he's like, hey, you can't come back here. It's like, well, it appears to be a bar. The bar has at one TV, which is showing a loop apparently, of a woman in a very short dress with her butt hanging out bowling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's I thought it was a bowling show of sexy ladies, but you just see the same one over and over again in every shot. Yeah, I feel like the old guy sitting in the bar watching it is like, I don't know, 
like watching Kingpin for Mr. Skin, trying to see if there's any nude scenes. And he's like, uh, is this technically new to me? He goes, back, rewind, C- computer, rewind 15 seconds. Ass shot. Get the time code. Computer, rewind, I missed the time code again. Watching Kingpin. Oh, Vanessa Angel's brief film career. Whatever happened to her? I don't she know. She was on that weird science show. Well, that's what made her name oh, was Weird but Science. but I don't know show. what happened to her after. I mean, the Weird Science was before Kingpin. Okay. Was that the start of the revitalization of Bill Murray's career? Kingpin? Uh, I think, you know what? I think if you were going to trace it back, that was the showing that he wanted to be back in the spotlight, maybe. Okay. Because it wasn't a huge hit as a movie, but it was maybe Bruce. It was like Bill Murray well, saying to the world, I'm ready that, to play again. They had that Blues Traveler song at the end of the movie. You're right, I'm wrong. It was the biggest hit of all time. There's no way it could have been it. was the number one movie in the history of the world. You're right, Blues Traveler. Blues Traveler, uh, a band where my dad met the, the lead singer on an airplane once. John Popper, sure. John Popper, and he continued to call him John Papa forever, and we'd be like, it's not his name. He called him Tom Papa. <laughs> he called him, you know, called him Papa John. Oh, not, not that old salt. Someone call me. I wanted to say some racist stuff. Uh, no, 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 that's a, no we're, pizza talk is over. Uh, oh, no, hold on a second. We're getting another call from uh, Jabba the Hutt. Wanted to tell us about uh, his pizza. Pizza Hut. No, oh, okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> We don't have a, uh, we don't have a, you know, a, whatchamacallit, <laughs> translator. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, you don't really need it because half of Huddies is just English words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something so, Jedi emails. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? No, you know Jabba what? Wonga, her server. <laughs> wow. So Jabba's really into conspiracy theories, too? <laughs> I mean, he's, you know. So, uh, so he got, so anyway, this is when the movie starts getting silly because Bruce Willis, he's he's fighting this fence and the fence calls this other guy and that guy comes in and starts a gunfight. Bruce Willis doesn't he's he's never really in danger because the universe is looking out for him because this bad guy Bruce has his gun on Bruce Willis and but Bruce Willis has like hit he accidentally bumped into a wall, which knocked over a trophy, which hit a bowling ball, and the bowling ball falls in the bad guy's head and kills him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait, this movie just became Final Destination all of a sudden? Uh, or yeah. Home Alone in some way? Yeah, I like the idea that uh, Bruce Willis has summoned some kind of, like, death god, like Ryuk from Death Note oh. to help him out. Kathan, help me with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, so yeah. maybe that's... Calgon, take me away. <laughs> I mean, that's a soap, what? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or detergent, but sure. Uh so, but now he's he knows that the universe smiles on him because his therapist said it's okay and a bowling ball. Yeah, yeah. Him. And I think uh, his maybe, mother dipped him in the river sticks, but held onto his ankle, <laughs> <laughs> so no human weapons can injure. Him. Or is it possible that the bowling ball, upon seeing Bruce Willis's bald head, said, "No, one of my brethren shall not fall. <laughs> <laughs> I give my life for thee. Witness me!" and and sacrificed himself to kill that other guy. Mm-hmm. I shall defeat the Herod one. Yeah, to save my brother of bald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, oh, how horrible. They have filled your finger holes with horrid eye, buddy, and teeth to make you one of the manlings. And I shall save you, my half-bowling brother. Oh, that monologue the bowling ball gives at the end of uh, Act 4 is amazing. <laughs> yeah. that is, that's what I auditioned for it with. Oh, really? That's I your audition to be piece? a scorpion wrangler. <laughs> And they were like, show. it's not really, it's not a performing part. How do you handle, how do you handle the scorpions? You go, oh, oh, all pins shall fall before my might. 
for I am Lane Crusher and have no need for the gutter pillows that children use, the bumper ball, if you will. Yeah, it was crazy. When I saw their, uh, when they gave me back my resume after saying I was hired, it was just covered in their tears. <laughs> yeah, because they loved it so much. Yeah. yeah. Forsooth. I hear the hammer of Strike Maker. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, Warrior God of the Bullet. I didn't balls. realize you were going to do the whole piece, but that's okay. Yes, yeah, so I know it's got a year thing. I'm, yeah. also, I'm, step, I'm biting your style here. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he goes on to the next guy who uh, was this is the guy who caused all the trouble in the during the break in and led to the shooting. That guy works at an auto garage. Uh, Bruce Willis, because he's the hero of the movie, torches him by cutting open his what femoral artery or something? No, 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 no it's, it's, it's some nerve he, in his leg. It exposes like the sciatic nerve in his sciatic leg. Sciatic nerve. And then pours motor. Acid into Some it? sort of caustic agent. No, I'm so happy was. to be party to this. And then, and then, and uh, and then, as he's walking away, the guy's like, "You're not going to." And he goes, "It's a. It was fish. It's a guy named. Oh no, it's Knox. He's fish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, "It's a guy named no, Knox." N- fish was the guy who got bowling balled. Oh boy, I can't even remember these. He was the hairy one. Oh, the, so yeah, that's right. He goes, "It's this guy Knox. I don't even know him." He and he goes, "How do I find him? You don't find Knox. He finds you." Okay, great. So it's, it's Soviet Russia, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then he goes. He's leaving. Goes. You're not going to kill me. No, the jack is. And then he pulls the jack out from under this car, and the car smushes the guy's head, and his brains flop out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those Eli Roth moments where you're like, Oh yeah, I am watching an Eli Roth movie. Yeah. I literally saw his brains <clears throat> pop out of his head, <clears throat> cracked like an egg. Oh. <laughs> Bruce Willis is like, now who's the egghead? <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put you back together. Again. <laughs> oh, wow. Why would the horses be of any help anyway? <laughs> they don't have hands. They probably just try to eat the yolk from inside of humps. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very much a attempt at like commando level levity, but it's not as good. It's also like the Jack didn't kill him. You killed him. Mm-hmm. Like you killed him by dropping a car on his head mm-hmm. to be like, mm-hmm. no, uh-uh. let, let the judge decide. <laughs> yeah, like, ladies, Bruce Willis is defending himself. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I submit it was the car that committed the murder. <laughs> My fingerprints were nowhere near him, but the tire prints were on his head. I'm just a simple country lawyer. <laughs> uh, you are actually a surgeon who lives in the city. Simple country egg. <laughs> Just an incredible edible egg. I'm not some big city lawyer. I may be packed with protein, but I don't have any fancy law books in this shell. <laughs> Seems to me, if a car falls on a man's head, you can't blame a little old egg. <laughs> Which came first, the chicken or the me? I rest my case. <laughs> you rest your case? <laughs> this is a... Uh... <laughs> This is just a sentencing hearing. <laughs> you already been found guilty. You can't break a few me's without making an omelet. Please don't break me, though. I would appreciate not being in an omelet. I wouldn't mind being an Amelie, though. Amelie starring Bruce Willis as Amelie. I want to try something different. <laughs> Dan, how would that movie be different if Bruce Willis played Amelie instead of Audrey Tattoo? Well, she would still uh, begin life as an egg. <laughs> <laughs> as less, we all do. Less impishness, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so anyway, he smashes his, car open, his head open with the car. This is when the police start to suspect D'Onofrio because – He's the only other character in the movie. He has a history of dropping cars on people. <laughs> he has a history of being a bad dude. And they're like, let's see your hands. Do you have a wound on your hand? And it's like, you saw the videos. D'Onofrio is way stouter than the than the Grim Reaper. And like two feet taller. Yeah, it's like maybe he could have fit in that hooded sweatshirt in college. But not since then. <laughs> wow. But uh, it turns out he's not. 
and D'Onofrio goes to Willis's home and finds Willis's vigilante hole in his basement. Yeah, I kind of like that reveal that when he goes down there and he realizes that his brother's been radicalized by YouTube videos, and the uh, <laughs> his like once nice house now has a basement that is like some kind of gross ass video game dungeon. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like a man cave for a serial killer is what it is down <laughs> yeah. the bottom. Yeah, except there's no ev- like no evidence and red string all over the place, yeah. and no. like pictures of the guys he's going to kill with their eyes cut out. Yeah, there's a lot more uh, dirty laundry hanging around, and mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. almost like he he put, he uh, put his own subconscious mind into the basement of his house, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, this place is disgusting. It's just a mess. There's just bullet casings all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, if the Punisher. Wasn't as good at his job. Okay, yeah, he, I mean that's why he needs a microchip, right? It, well, microchip's the guy who's always cleaning things up, organizing the bullets, uh-huh. uh, making the techno van, uh-huh. uh, and cleaning Punisher's vans because Punisher's a big skate kid. Oh no, yes, kidding! He wears vans. Yeah. Oh wow. Which, yeah. What's his What's his style? Half cabs. Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah, yeah. cool. Well, he's a longboarder. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. So he needs he needs grip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Willis Bruce Willis. He's been told uh, Knox is at this club. Or Knox calls him or something. Says meet yeah, me. At, yeah. oh, he texts him. Says meet me yeah. at this club. This was when we. He's were like, so sure. or else I'm gonna tell the police. And he's like, I mean, you're a known criminal. Like, I'm not so <laughs> sure, like how, like we get the like Knox finds you, but I'm not so sure how Knox found this guy because like, what what connection? Like he killed the guy that he was there they're, they're talking to. It's not like. Tell Knox I'm looking for him or anything yeah. like that. He squashed that guy's he, he brains has, out. He has no real reason to think that Knox, <laughs> that he, he's out for him yeah. or who this Grim Reaper is. But also, it's a pretty late in the game attempt to make Knox into kind of like a scary super criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When up till now, he's just been kind of like some idiot goon who screwed up a house robbery. Yep. But now he's supposed to be like, oh, now he needs a threat worthy of the Grim <clears throat> Reaper, yeah. an angel of death himself. So Bruce Willis goes to this club. It's exactly the sort of place that Blade would show up and kill all the vampires. <laughs> it is a crazy club. There's like just two women in a glass case holding big futuristic laser With, guns. With like gas masks on. Yeah, and then – and instead of having individual sinks outside the bathrooms, there's a huge fountain that everybody – like a communal hand-washing fountain, mm-hmm. which must be disgusting at the oh, end of the yeah, night. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, it is. And uh, Bruce Willis goes <laughs> – <laughs> It's just like a human soup, just gross. Mm, yeah, mm, Bruce Willis yeah. goes into the uh, into the bathroom, uh-huh. to meet, uh, which is packed with peeps, packed with people, men and women. So it's like an Ally McBeal unisex bathroom. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's twenty eighteen. Good point. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, and so, but it's all a trap. And Knox shows up and starts shooting at him. And Bruce Willis is like, "Oh no!" And he's he collapses he's into a bathroom stall where he was. Uh, lure- it was like the cage that he was lured into. Yeah, because there was a phone there that he was following. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only way to get out is he points his gun up to the ceiling and shoots out the fuse box to put the lights out. A f- yeah, a fuse box that's conveniently located on the ceiling of the men's bathroom, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Stuart, you're a you're a borrow. You own a public house. Yeah. Now, explain how difficult this would make your life if well, that, I think the fuse box was located. First off, I think it's really important to put your fuse box in a public area. <laughs> <laughs> easily accessible to the patrons. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> easily because it is above a toilet, but an enterprising patron with a will to cause some destruction could easily have access to it. Okay, so first rule, put your fuse box in a public place. Secondly, mm-hmm. fuse box placement. Probably in a bathroom, someplace that just gets generates a lot of, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, like water in the air. <laughs> 
you know, the type of room that you would want to use a special kind of primer on the walls because the wall, like it just gets the humidity is so high. So you would want to put something that requires uh, absolute dryness to be right there. Yeah, put some electrical th- uh, things there. Now, also, uh, let's say you needed to switch the fuses on and off. Uh, would it make it more or less difficult to have to climb onto a toilet seat <laughs> to do so? Well, that's the thing is that you would put it above a toilet seat because chances are there's already going to be somebody in there pooping. So you can just climb on him instead of having to use a ladder. I'll just get on his shoulders. <laughs> I mean, it's going to save you ladder dollars. And plus the pressure you're applying on his shoulders will help the poop get pushed out. I mean, it's a service I provide. Yeah. <laughs> That's if you need if you ever call up Wellington's when you're ever constipated, he'll just sit on your shoulders and bounce up and down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Give gravity some extra help. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I whisper things in your ears. <laughs> Shh, just let go. Mm -hmm. It's like every time, every time I go to the bathroom, I was like, "Love like you never been hurt, poop like nobody's watching." (laughs) Yeah, that's my moral, my motto, and my Mm -hmm. moral. So anyway, uh, the shooter does doesn't the shootout doesn't go well. Bruce Willis actually gets shot, though he escapes. That's impossible. Uh, And the cops are like, "Check out all the hospitals. We think the Grim Reaper got shot." But Willis doesn't go to a hospital. He's a doctor. He knows how to handle this, so he goes home and uses glue and a stapler to close his wound up. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look fun, but we get to watch the whole thing. Uh-huh, yeah, it's super cool. The cops at this point suspect Bruce Willis for the very rational reason that, again, he is the only other character left in the movie. Who yep. else is it going to be? Sway? Man Cow? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Although Man Cow is supporting the Grim Reaper, he, I don't know, doesn't seem to have the stuff. No, I don't think so. Uh, his daughter comes out of her coma, which is great since yeah. I was worried that – she would die, uh-huh. but then I realized later, oh, just so that she can be vulnerable in the in the climactic scene. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, they're while they're leaving, they get into an elevator that Knox happens to be in. He's leaving the hospital too because he was shot. And Knox and the daughter have this very bizarre, creepy conversation <laughs> as Bruce Willis just kind of stands there smiling the whole time. And it's one of the things where it's like. I don't know if Bruce Willis is is the character supposed to be secretly seething inside as he knows that the man that he wants to kill is right here and he can't do anything about it. Or if Bruce Willis is just thinking about like something funny he saw on TV. Like, oh, remember that Cheddar Goblins ad? That was hilarious. <laughs> or Bruce Willis is just like, hmm, this is a nice boy. Maybe my daughter will finally meet a nice boy and settle down. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like we're not supposed to think that he necessarily knows that this is Knox until after – Afterward, when like not as they were leaving, he goes, you know, he calls he, him Doctor Kersey, which yeah, is his name. He calls him by his name. Uh, that's what like the, the mo- movie. Yeah, that's what the movie <laughs> "Call Me by Your Name" is about. It's, <laughs> it's about that moment when you realize that's the bad guy. Yeah, but uh, but before that, it's just like, especially like the new killer Bruce Willis. I feel like would not allow a creepy dude. To talk to his wheelchair Like, hey, oh, you're getting out, huh? We'll have mm-hmm. one of you. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I hope you feel better. You're going home? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Great. Okay. Uh, like, that's what he sounds <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Where is home, huh? No. Just out of curiosity. Want to give me your address, which is your bedroom window. Okay, honey pie. Well, uh, and then just licks her face. Gotta go. Have a good one. Bruce Willis is like, he seems nice. <laughs> it seems like a nice Why can't you meet a nice boy like that? He's like, I'm thinking about changing the appetizer menu at Planet Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time for the return of the return of Bruno. <laughs> In his mind, he's like, North wasn't that bad a movie. How come Roger Ebert hated it so, so much? Bruce Willis is Disney's The Kid. Huh? <laughs> Why not The Kid too? Boyhood did well. <laughs> hmm, Hudson Eagle. Is Hudson Hawk's brother. Did I die at the end of that movie? Maybe I didn't, and it could just be Hudson Hawk, too. Oh, man. What's what that? is the color of night? <laughs> Blue? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, the famous movie where you can see Bruce Willis' penis for a moment. Yeah. He's like, huh. Well, maybe there was a sixth element. <laughs> and a seventh sense. 
Sixth element is salt. Oh, wow. I mean, it's essential to flavor. It's not an element. It's two elements put together, NaCl. It's potassium chloride, I think, but still. Uh, (laughs) uh, And uh, we could just go on like this. Moon darkening. Mm, There's some potential there. And his daughter's like, Dad, did you see that creepy guy? He called you by your name. What? Mm? Oh, I don't know. I was just thinking. Sorry. Just thinking about squeakles. Uh, uh, Anyway, long story short. The bad guys invade Bruce Willis's house. There is no suspense as Bruce Willis is on top of the game the whole time and essentially just slaughters them. Yeah, he has led them into the sweetest honeypot of all. (laughs) (laughs) And I was waiting at this point for it to be revealed finally that Vincent D'Onofrio was the real bad guy behind it all, but... Nope. The movie played me. I was wrong. It was not smart enough to do that. Instead, it was just a bunch of random criminals. Yeah. Yeah. And all the... Which led me to wonder, why is Vincent D'Onofrio in this movie? Yeah, his character has really no point other than to like make you think, I guess, that he's the bad guy, which is fair. But well, he's like you know he's the moral guy who at the who, who like once he figures out what Bruce Willis is doing, he's like, you gotta stop killing people. <laughs> Look, buddy, <laughs> listen, bro. <laughs> There's one thing I know. <laughs> You got to I mean, as much, like, as much as having the power of life and death in your hands makes you feel like a god, you got to stop. It's an amazing people. intoxicant. I understand <laughs> the way you smoked out those three dudes like a couple of blunts. It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't very tense because it wasn't shot well or anything. <laughs> it's edited poorly, but you know, knowing that, uh, knowing that uh, there's a mother somewhere who's crying because her baby's gone, and you made that happen. I know it's amazing. It's a thrilling feeling, better than sex, even. But come on, buddy, you gotta stop. You're getting the whole family in trouble. Come on. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Why? Come on, it's me, Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, I mean, up all night. Oh USA. man, the man's an animal. <laughs> yeah, oh wow! I, I think I've said this. There's before never the- been scenery divides that he cannot <laughs> chew through. He's omnivorous when it comes to scenery. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I mentioned you guys when we're watching it, seeing a play with Vincent D'Onofrio in it, mm-hmm. and there were times where it was like a wild rhinoceros was loose on the stage, <laughs> and I was worried he was just going to run into the audience and start killing people with his bare hands. Uh-huh. It's an amazing performance. Is him and Ethan Hawke on stage, one of several times I've seen Ethan Hawke in plays. I like Ethan Hawke on stage more than the movies. They were playing, what, the producers or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the produ- Yeah, it was Lakaja Hole. <laughs> uh, so uh, the movie ends with Dean Norris and the cops are now investigating the multiple homicide at Bruce Willis's house, but yep. he's just a man. They're like, uh, so it looks like these criminals came in and you stalked them like a true death dealer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you're craving the hundred, these guys. <laughs> uh, and he's like, so what happened here? And he's like, they came into my, I took, they came into my home and I protected my daughter. It was, and you bought a heavy automatic weapon the day before the day my daughter came yeah, home, just well, in case like, it happened again. And that injury in your hand that's almost healed and the gunshot wound he, in your, he, he in your says, arm that's stitched up. He, those, says, uh, he says, those you got today? He goes, yep. And, <laughs> and I was waiting for Bruce to go like, yeah, I'm a kind of a Logan, if you will. I heal real fast. I'm a saber tooth. And uh, Dean Norris is like, okay, well, all right. I think you're just a regular husband who wanted to protect his family, and I appreciate that. And it's like that moment where it's like, I know what you did, and I approve of it. And then Dean Norris, to seal the deal, 
takes a piece of pizza off the counter and eats it. That's not in his diet, Guys, but he's a man now. where did that fucking pizza come from? <laughs> Let's stop for a moment and think about this, because it is one of the most unrealistic things about the movie, that there is spontaneously generating pizza. <laughs> when it was like, the, the cops arrived at the crime scene and like, get us some pizzas. Oh, we're gonna, there's gonna be a late one. Oh boy, get the pizza guy I mean, here. it would make sense if they were next to the, what, the coroner who showed up, who brought a pizza along with his tools, because that's what coroners do. Coroners they are, always, they're always they'll open up their little tool bag and there's a sandwich in there. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that like they ordered the pizza before all the guys got shot and, and the pizza delivery guy got there in between when the guys got shot and the cops were there. <laughs> so he's like, uh, there's all these bodies lying around. Bruce uh, Willis is paying out for the I mean, pizza. that's a, that would actually be a, a joke that might actually be funny in the <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. A movie with no humor. I mean, where it, <coughs> he goes to open the door and, and pulls a gun and it's the pizza guy and he goes, oh, it's just pizza. Or then mm-hmm. shoots the pizza guy thinking yep, it's another like criminal. or something. Yeah. Uh, there's all these guy people here, and it's really crazy. And I'm a pizza guy, mm-hmm. but no, it's just it's just pizza. But Dean Norris, he's never going back to those RX bars. Now that he's seen the masculine ideal of of justice and strength, mm-hmm. the Grim Reaper Bruce Willis, he's gonna eat pizza for now. Zah, because I guess Dean Norris is continuing his transformation into a Ninja Turtle. Yep. Uh, so Bruce Willis takes his daughter to college in the big city, New York, mm-hmm. and while he is, uh, and and we hear over the radio, Sway is like. Out of nowhere, there's just this burst of radio that's like, Grim Reaper, wherever you are, we don't know, but like, rest in peace, stay away. And it's like, so either... I mean, they don't have that much stuff to fill the air on Sirius XM, right? I guess that must be it. I didn't realize that Sway had a national radio show or something. Or that it's being picked up by the filling in Bruce Willis's teeth, like, I don't know. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And we see there's a bellhop who has an enormous pile of bags that he's bringing into a hotel, and a guy just walks by and takes one of them, and Bruce Willis goes, hey... And then Mimes shooting him with a gun. Mm-hmm. Cut to credits, directed by Eli Roth. And I wasn't sure what to take from that last scene. Was it supposed to be He's like, like, petty crime is the same as capital crime. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like they're going for like an end of Taxi Driver moment where you're like, this guy could go off at any moment again. Like he's a danger yeah. walking around, but he's the hero of the movie and I think we're supposed to like him. So Yeah, I think Back in Black starts to play again. Does it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is Back in Black? It was either that or like Back in the Saddle again by Aerosmith. <laughs> what if it was Big Balls that started oh, that playing? That would be crazy. <laughs> That'd be nuts. So, yeah. Where's it was no. Back in the High Life again starts playing. <laughs> We're supposed to Boys are back in town, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and the movie had the, uh, one, the bad luck of being a horrible celebration of murder, but also the bad luck of coming out at a time when it has been – Rarely more apparent the danger of random people deciding to reorder yeah. the universe according to their inner morality through bullets. So we'll try not to let that influence our judgments. Let's be like hermetic monks looking at only the thing in front <laughs> oh, of us think, and not the world around I don't think it. I can. I don't think I can make that promise. <laughs> but, well, let's uh, try it. Let's try let's it. Let's go to final judgments where we decide whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie kind of like. I'm going to go first and just say that – like. Eli Roth is a stupid man. Whoa. But, well, in, in terms of like. He invented the Roth IRA. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't know what the effect that has on economy in general, but I certainly take advantage in of it. I mean, it was originally called a Roth ELI. In terms of morality, he's a stupid man. Like, oh, sure, yeah. The, the thinking in his films, the morality is idiotic. Yeah. Uh, but he is a slick director. Like, I actually think he, Can has, be, yeah. he has talent as a director. So this movie. While watching it, entertained me. Like it went down smoother than a lot of bad movies that we watched that I'm just totally bored by. But I found the morality of it so reprehensible that 
it sickened me. <laughs> so uh, I, I I give it I give it props for being a slick piece of uh, filmmaking, but I found it to be a bad movie because of the content. Yeah, I mean, I actually kind of wish there was a little more cleverness to some. Like, there, it never felt like there was that much tension. Some, I guess, some of the action scenes had. It was nice that the action scenes actually utilized some of the geography of the locations, which is good and uncommon most of the time. But uh, it, like, there was never any tension. You never ever thought that like Bruce Willis wasn't going to murder these clowns. Uh, and what yeah, if they were actually clowns. I mean, that would basically. That would basically just be like a Batman movie, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. Leo. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's the there's a lot of movies out there about guys whose uh, all of their responsibilities get washed away in an orgy of violence, and uh, this is not even one of the better ones. So yeah. I don't recommend it. I actually found uh, I would call it bad bad. Also, I actually found it like it's like tech, from a technical level, it's competently made, but it reminded me of like Red Dragon. Mm. Where it's like, yeah. okay, this is like a movie made by a machine. Fairly sterile. Yeah, sterile. There's no sense of like – Until no that guy's spark. head got squashed like an egg. Yeah, you could. It feels like that's the one moment where Eli Roth was like, I love it. But <clears throat> otherwise it felt like him doing something for a paycheck almost. Yeah. And, the, and yeah, the morality of it is – is horrifying. Like the idea of like crawl. the idea of watching a surgeon get radicalized by YouTube videos is <laughs> fucking horrible. Yeah, and sad. It's this weird baby boomer, white male baby boomer wet dream that so much that I expected like them to announce that there's unlimited paper towels for them to use forever. <laughs> <laughs> is that a, is that a white male baby boomer thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, the one go to your parents' house and see how many paper towels they use. <laughs> Probably a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. And I bet their bathroom has a tiny landscape painting in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's something that I notice in a lot of older older baby boomers' bathrooms. There's always a tiny landscape painting in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it was almost like if the only thing that was missing was Bruce Willis then like hooking up with a much younger like sexy assassin or something mm-hmm. like that to make it the full-on – middle-aged baby boomer yeah. like fantasy that, that dream yeah cornucopia there's and then there's also the moment where uh uh they're yeah, like, like if he started dating his uh his coma daughter's best friend or yeah, something. and there's a scene that kind of almost starts <laughs> to imply that uh there's a it's there's a moment where dean Norris is like be or maybe it's his partner's like be on the lookout it's a white male in a hooded sweatshirt 40s to 50s and Stuart was like 40s to 50s seems a little generous <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, that was part of Bruce Willis's rewrites. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we like this movie. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Podcasting, Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. <laughs> Stop Podcasting Yourself <laughs> on MaximumFun.org. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. (laughs) 
Stop podcasting yourself <laughs> on MaximumFun.org. Oh, hello. I didn't see you come in. It's time for a solo Flophouse ad read. This uh, this podcast, the Flophouse, it's called. You maybe maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. It's supported in part by Away, Away, makers of first class luggage at a coach price. I uh, personally got a Away bag. Uh, they were kind enough to send one to test it out, and it's lovely. It's a uh, you know, it's got uh, one of them hard bodies, not like the film hard bodies. That's a different thing. I don't want to get into that. Uh, but you can see it on the Sony Movie Classics channel every fucking day for some reason. Um, it's got a little battery uh, that you can use to charge your phone. I mean, I don't know why I'm getting into these uh, features because the copy explains the features later on. I just want to say I really appreciate uh, having this this piece of luggage. I'm using it to go up to my brother's for uh, Thanksgiving. Um I don't know why you care about that. Are you stalking me? Are you stalking me? Are you going to show up at my brother's on Thanksgiving and try and do something to me? For God's sakes, people. For God's sakes. Stay away. I mean, I love you, but stay away. Anyway, the Away bag has, is the perfect gift for everyone, too, because uh, it's got key design features like a patent-pending compression system that help, that's helpful for overpackers. You can stuff your shit down in there, man. You can uh, take as much as you like. Well, not as much as you like. It's not a Mary Poppins bag. Let's not get crazy here. But you can uh, you can you can cram a lot of a lot of your your junk into this thing. Away carry-ons are able to charge anything that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge with the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times. Think of all the the texting you can do and the candy crushes or whatever's uh, there's a lifetime warranty or if anything breaks they'll fix or replace it for you for life listen there's a special offer offer for you the flophouse listener for twenty dollars off a suitcase visit awaytravel.com slash flop and use the code flop at checkout because this season everyone wants to get away we also have a uh, another sponsor we got Squarespace, our old standby, our old reliable, our old buddies at Squarespace. Uh, you know what they are by now. They're a site that help you make a website. A site that help you make a website. I wonder why I'm not a copywriter. A site that help you make a website. Jesus Christ. All right, Dan. Anyway, Squarespace is a service that allows you to create a beautiful website to sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business, announce an upcoming event or special product, and more. How do they do this, you ask? How is that even possible? Well, I'll tell you. They've got beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, nothing to patch or upgrade ever, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Make it stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Now listen, if you want all this stuff, if you're like, I should get on the internet, if after... After the internet being around for, uh, you know, 
30 some years now, you're like, I should get on the internet. And you want your own website to promote your, I don't know, your your acting career in dog commercials or something. You should head to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase, purchase, purchase of a website or domain. It's, it's, it's a purchase. You're not going to get to the end of the thing and be like, I'd like to purchase this and get away with some scam. You got to purchase it. All right. I'm sorry that I misled you. Uh, we got a couple jumbotrons coming all over the wire. Um, the first one says the helpful snowman podcast will fix your problems, especially if they're solved by the audio diary of a Colorado librarian who hates weed and mountains. Check out a podcast that tests your Roseanne knowledge, the pre-racist version, gives tips on cat dating, and more. Are you podcast monogamous with the Flophouse? Helpful Snowman has books. Check out Wads of Power, an erotic take on Contra, or Barehanded, an award-winning poetry chapbook. Find all this and more at HelpfulSnowman.com. Visit HelpfulSnowman.com or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite pod thingy. I am even more confused by what this is than when I started reading. But in a way, isn't that the most effective advertising? Don't you want to go and and go over to HelpfulSnowman.com and see what the hell I was just talking about? Anyway, we got another personal message. This one's from, for Ollie. It's from Emily. And it says, to the best acquaintance I've ever had, thank you for giving me the best week of my life. You are everything I could ever want. I can't wait to see you in April for more full breakfasts, sheerin, bed snacks, and mystery bruises. After all, Reno is the Paris of the West. I love you. Isn't that sweet? I say that in a way that makes it sound like I'm ironically angry, but I am not. Um... If you want to get a Jumbotron, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron, and you can look into it. Uh, for now, I will continue reading. Reading? I'm not reading anything. I'll continue drinking my coffee in my pajama pants, which is what I'm doing while recording this um, ad read. And you can get back to the show. All right. Well, moving on to letters. From listeners, listeners like you, uh huh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay. I, so it's like you're waiting for something that that I don't know what it is. No, I'm not waiting for anything. I, I, I. Uh, what is uh, Dan waiting for? Why does Dan pause in that peculiar way? What could Dan think is about to happen today? Because today is a day that's freighted with weight. And Dan, he's having trouble waiting. Dan's appetite, it needs sating. Dan's food needs plating. (laughs) What's Dan waiting for? I think that's what we're all asking every day, in every way. As we go about our lives thinking, hey, what's Dan waiting for? Waiting for, what's Dan waiting for, waiting for, there's so many things Dan could wait for, so many things Dan could hate for, 
So many things Dan is late for, but what's he wait for? There's only one man who can answer, that's Dan. Dan is the man who can answer. The answer belongs with Dancer. He's a tiny dancer that's Dancer. That was from my uh, 1975 Broadway show, uh, Dan's Day. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, just... Stephen Sondheim told me I was terrible. <laughs> Normally, I do some sort of vetting of these letters beforehand, but because we're do you? because we're in a, <laughs> I think this is the exception because that we're in a world. Holiday Inn or a Holiday Inn, I would say, Vanicula. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're in a Holiday Inn in the middle of nowhere, uh, I haven't had a chance. You're right, so. Dan. The internet doesn't work the same way here. When you're I'm in a just, Holiday Inn in the middle of nowhere, you're so busy that you don't have time to do things. Guys, daylight savings time just kicked in, and Dan is going ape shit. Oh man, yeah. I'm just picking, picking, letters a, picking a rando by semi-random. Uh, this one is from Eric. Last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Eric Estrada, who writes, chips. "Hey, <laughs> hey, original peaches. Hey." In recent reviews of most movies, especially in relation to the release of the new Venom movie, mm-hmm. CGI is criticized more and more. As a younger listener who didn't grow up during the time of practical effects, I can still agree that the reliance can be too much, but I don't always understand the complaints. Recently, I've heard people complaining about the trailer for the upcoming Aquaman movie and the CGI involved. My question for you is, when does CGI rub you the wrong way? Also, could you make a good Aquaman movie without CGI? I don't think the underwater scenes would go nearly as well. Keep up on flopping. Eric, last name withheld. Uh, I mean, I... I think I think it's it's easy to misunderstand uh, the complaint uh, that I have about CGI, but I mean I feel like it's it's kind of like salt, like it's it's a good thing. Like CGI and all special effects in general are good to have in a certain amount, but if you overdo it, it's terrible. And if you do it without really thinking about it, I feel like a lo- like the problem with the Aquaman movie and the trailer, at least, and all the DC movies is they feel like. They are entirely shot on a green screen and all the digital effects are thrown in afterwards and it's all done as an afterthought and it doesn't feel like there's no impact to anything. It doesn't feel creative and it doesn't feel purposeful at a certain point. Something that I think to twist Stewart's uh, metaphor slightly because it's a very good metaphor. I'm going to use bacon instead of salt. Okay. Where there's this, there's this thought among certain people where it's like, hey, guess what I put in there? Some bacon. You're going to love it. And it's like, I don't need it in everything. And it's making it, it becomes a crutch that people lean on instead of thinking about what they're making. And with CGI, there's a certain feeling of like, oh, we don't have to try too hard to figure this out because we'll have the CGI guys work 80-hour weeks just making it look like whatever. And it ends up being... And we'll barely acknowledge them in the credits, basically. Yeah, that too. It's like, from, I mean, from a labor point of view, it's horrifying. But like, uh, but CGI, it's like, it can, it's a tool. And it's a really good tool when it's used well. And it's a really crappy tool when you use it for everything, you know? And... And I think certain directors also have a better grasp of how to use that sort of thing effectively, like Guillermo del Toro, for instance. Yeah, and there, there's something about like it's just it's just when any anytime something is overused and not used particularly well, because it's a good way to not have to think about stuff too hard, and you can paper over things. You know, there's so much stuff in TV and movies that gets done digitally that could pretty easily be done. Practically, are you referring to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom where they use a underwater saw on a tooth and you're like, those two things exist? Yeah, that could be a real thing. But like I've noticed that people driving in cars looks much worse now than it used to. Like it looks faker because it's just very easy to do and people don't even really think about it anymore. Whereas it's like 
CGI ha- is like real enough, I feel like, that people stopped trying to make it look really real. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, good enough. This is fine. And people are watching this show on their phones. Who cares? Yeah. And you have a comment and you know, for whatever, and sometimes, and maybe I'm being too critical of it sometimes when I get mad about it, but like with the Venom trailer, it was like, this looks like a cartoon to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the cartoony Venom suit. And does not, not just Tom Hardy's awesome over the top performance. His, his crazy accent and everything. But it's like, uh, it feels like, is this supposed to exist in a world where I'm supposed to give a shit about anything in it? Because if it is, like, help it look real to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that might mean using a practical effect here or there rather than just doing it all green. It's this weird way of doing things where it's like, in some ways, I think much more expensive at times, but it's just e- it's easier to do stuff on set that way. And it's, and the person who calls the shot is the director who's working on set, and he's not sitting there doing the effects work. So, yeah. I mean, that might be part of it. Who knows? Dan, what do you think? You got thoughts on this? Um, Spout them out. We're talking. It's a CGI talk. I think I personally feel like you should only use it CGI if it's a thing that could not be done. Like easily in another something that could never exist. Yeah, like a good example of it to me is like the Incredible Hulk in the Avengers movies. Mm -hmm. It's like I there's you cannot get that effect with a human in green paint, and if you used like a physical body puppet for the whole thing, it would I think it wouldn't quite work. Like it wouldn't look like Mark Ruffalo the way it needs to. It would look kind of probably Dark Crystal Muppety, which now that I think about it, sounds amazing. Yeah, but that's something where they do it pretty well. But even then, there are times where it's like. All right, like this scene, you could have made like a fake Hulk hand for this shot, and it mm-hmm. would have looked a little better than just using a computer hand. I mean, the the value of practical effects is that anything that exists in reality feels like it exists in reality. Like, whereas something that's CGI, even if you can't always clock it, you know, you, there's something off about it. And I feel like the best. Like it's a reason why people love action movies where you've got talented stunt performers like doing like real fight choreography because there's weight and heft to everything and you can tell that that's it's not like that scene people. in the, the most recent Terminator where Arnold Schwarzenegger flies off that car hood and bounces on the ground yeah and it's like wait a minute that's not what people's bodies do yeah. that's what cartoon bodies do I, the way the thing I always compare it to in my head is the Chewbacca costume from the original Star Wars movies. Where it's like it's so clearly a costume that's a man's suit, but it looks so good, and yeah. the character feels so alive to me, and the fur looks so real to me. Whereas anytime I've seen anything with CGI hair or fur, no matter how, how no matter how they're able to differentiate all the different hairs, like it never yeah. looks as real to me as that costume. Yeah. This next letter is from Colin. Last name withheld. Colin Mockery. Trevorrow. Who writes? You often talk about how a woman vomiting in a movie is lazy shorthand for pregnancy. Well, Stuart mm-hmm. often talks about yeah, that. Yeah, I do that all the time. Can't stop <laughs> yapping. <laughs> you brought it up like five times today. Uh-huh. I wanted to point out that in the sequel to Mamma Mia, the writer hung a lantern when Amanda, Amanda Seyfried's character throws up into the toilet, looks directly into the camera, and says, We know what that means. Do you have any <laughs> other examples of tropes that you think are usually signs of lazy screenwriting but work in a given film because the writer draws attention to them in an absurd or an unexpected way. And also he carved a jack-o'-lantern of Nick Cage and he wants to show it to us, so here's a... Oh, that uh, looks <laughs> very scary. <laughs> yeah. Great and scary. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, somebody's calling our room. So we were talking about, the question was, are there any tropes that you don't like in movies, but then it, they, it gets called attention to in a clever way and you like it? And I was going to say, 
to be honest, sometimes when uh, the when the filmmaker calls attention to something like this is a cliche, get it right, everybody. It makes me matter because I'm like, well, yeah. if you know it's a cliche, don't do it. Like, find another way to do it, dude. Like, it's not in the rule book that you have to do it that way. But that sounds like a funny moment in Mamma Mia. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I'm having trouble thinking anything. So I'll agree with Elliot. All right. Well, since we just got a call saying that uh, we got to get out of this room soon, uh, we should just do two letters. And uh, oh, okay, that's it for letters. Sorry, everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll so just burn the mailbag. Do a quick recommendation of movies that we saw recently that we liked. Um, I'll give a qualified recommendation to a movie I saw called The Old Man and the Gun. Mm-hmm. It's the movie with uh, Robert Redford that briefly Robert Redford said was going to be his last movie. And then he kind of walked back on that and said, uh, maybe I'll do other movies. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it stars him as a elderly bank robber who robs banks with. Uh, Let me guess a gun. A gun. <laughs> yes. And he has a team of other elderly uh, uh I think it's Danny Glover and Tom Waits. I can't remember. So it's remember. like back in style or back in business, whatever that movie yeah. is. And uh, Looney so Tunes back in action. He has a romance with um, uh, Sissy Spacex. Sissy Spacex, and she is the the romance is the best part of the movie. The um, they you know like he kind of hints to her what his job is, but doesn't ever like come out and say it. And they have this like little kind of dance around where like I don't know he provides a little sense of like spark in her life and uh-huh. and she provides stability um and that's honestly the best part of the movie is this kind of like older romance the movie itself the just the idea of like oh these are old people who rob banks like not that interesting in and of itself even though it's based on a real life uh guy like the movie is 90 minutes long and the plot still feels a little thin in 90 minutes but the acting is so good and the period kind of feel of the movie. It's in the early 80s and it's kind of shot as if it's like a 70s film uh, gives it this. And they all talk pleasant. like it's the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Run this bank. Just, yeah, just like Brick, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, my qualified recommendation. It's a little thin, but it's very pleasant. The old man and the gun. Uh, I'll also give a uh, I'll also give a qualified recommendation. Uh, I saw the recent uh, Star is Born, mm-hmm. starring Lady Gaga and uh, <laughs> Bradley Coops. Uh, now, who would win in a fight between Lady Gaga and Gal Gadot? Oh, I mean, probably Gal Gadot because she is like a true warrior, and but Lady Gaga's mother monster. She is mother monster. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see how it goes. Okay. Uh, the it's a movie that. Uh, you know, it's the fourth iteration of this story. Um, and I think it's a movie that has some pretty solid performances all around, including a great one from my man, Sam Elliott. Mm. Uh, but the, you know, it's, uh, and the myth, the mustache, it's a weird movie because the, I liked the first like 30 or 40 minutes of the movie so much, uh, that it made me want to like the second half of the movie more. And frankly, I like that first half enough that I think it's certainly an experience worth worth having. Uh, but I feel like the second half kind of loses its way and it focuses a little too much on uh, Bradley Cooper's character and seems to like seems to treat Lady Gaga's character a little poorly. 
Um, and I think that sucks. Uh, like not, not just like her character goes through hardships, but her character gets like kind of the short end and is kind of critically, uh, the, the movie's critical toward her career as opposed to Bradley Cooper's career, which is crazy. Um, uh, characters, not the actors. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's worth watching, but I will say that I feel like the ending's a bit of a letdown. And I'm going to give an unqualified recommendation oh, to a movie I liked a lot. Uh, it's a movie called Shirkers that is a documentary that's on Netflix right now. Uh, and it was made by this woman, Sandy Tan, who back in the 90s, she and some of her friends, when they were very young, they're all like 18, 19, fell, uh, they were part of this, the uh, DIY and zine movement at the time. And they were all living in Singapore. And this was how they could reach out to the rest of the world was through zines and other people's homemade magazines they decided they were going to be independent filmmakers and fell under the sway of this older man who said that he had all this experience in the film industry and they shot an entire movie that she had written and she stars in and then he took all the film and disappeared with it for years and the movie is partly about them trying to figure out trying to find him and and find this film and figure out who he was exactly and why he would do this but it's even more about like the relationship between the director and her friends and how that evolved over time through the making this film and the years after and how like the movie slowly emerges to be more and more, I think about her coming into her own as a person and maturing from this kind of like, you know, uh, not exactly nihilist, but like kind of mad at the world, young person to becoming someone who is more a part of the world. And I really liked a lot. So it's called shirkers and I highly recommend it. I think it's really great. Great. Well, normally we would talk a little bit more, do a little more bullshitting. Uh-huh. I mean, we'll say that uh, thanks for listening. This show is on Max Fun Podcast. Please check out other shows on the network. They're great. MaximumFun.org mm-hmm. is and the website. If you enjoyed this show or other episodes, then uh, please feel free to tweet about us with the hashtag The Flophouse uh, or go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review or just tell someone that you like it mm-hmm. and maybe spread the word that way. Go to the old water cooler. Mm-hmm. Go to the water cooler and just put up a poster that says listen to the Flophouse mm-hmm. on Maximum Fun and other mm-hmm. Maximum shows. And or learn guitar, take a take a tag. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a book for a child, I'm just going to take a moment to mention Horse Meets Dog, my children's book, which is out in stores now. And but otherwise, it's the flop house is the main thing. Leave us reviews and stuff. I don't know. Maybe just uh, if you want to send us a big bag of money, you could do that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we get literally evicted from our hotel room, uh, we should sign off. And so I will say for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And chaining myself to a holiday in bed, I'm Elliot Kalen. Bye. Bye. <laughs>should I listen to more and more, more. <laughs> all right what a weird what a weird <laughs> <laughs> argument to make against your own body Dan uh, is my body's lying to me because it wants me to take off my sweater <laughs> make myself vulnerable maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported